Hello and welcome to the Dan Assor podcast. I'd like to start by thanking my community patrons, Rev Risney, Easy Fairs, Hive Group PLC, Tarsus, 19 Events, Smart Digital and SISO. You can watch all of my content on YouTube. Please search for Dan Assor or head to danassor.com. Um, Stephen Murta, the exhibition guy. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Dan. This I was just thinking when you were talking about the green screen, isn't that what our industry is all about? Being dynamic and 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 looking at these things and going, how are we going to solve the problem? Isn't that what we're all about? That that is exactly right. So um I know today that you're going to talk through a few things. Yeah. Um, and some practical tips. Um, could you give the viewers a sense of exactly what you're gonna chat about, please? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose to get as an intro uh, for for I know quite a lot of people on the call here on the on the today. And my my own name is Stephen Murphy, the exhibition guy. But I, I I work with companies on the whole area of exhibition strategy and training, um, and more specifically, I suppose Dan, what I do is I work with salespeople on selling exhibitions because it, we're all challenged these days when we sell exhibitions to sell a box on a piece of paper, which we will call a floor plan, as we always in a, it, the magic word in our in our world. But sure. what we're selling is just so much more. And it's we're selling, I suppose, an idea, really. And, and that's where a lot of the salespeople in exhibitions, I think, ch are challenged with selling what is in the future as opposed to what they actually have. And, and what it, in training salespeople, it's all about a couple of simple things, which is what I'm going to cover today. A couple of those key simple things. I mean, I do a sales training course, which is a whole day event. So obviously, we won't get, get to cover everything. But sure. there's a couple of key things specific to exhibition sales i mean having spent 25 years selling stands i've kind of been around the block a few times on it so only I really 25 to... years <laughs> it's actually a bit more than if i'm yeah. honest i think it was 25 when i started so it's about 27 <clears throat> 28 but i suppose I, i'm massively passionate about our industry and we've all gone through a horrendously tough time for the last 12 months yeah um but we all have to get back on the horse as such if i want to call it that and we do need to get back there and really show our clients the value of what we do and and that can be challenging i'll be honest it can be challenging in times like this but we do need to be better because it's like i always say as a sales trainer at the moment there's less money in the economy there's less people buying and they're all the negative things but that doesn't mean people aren't buying but yeah. they're buying from people who are better prepared they're buying from people who are better focused on what their needs are and as exhibition salespeople, we need to be even better when we come back um, than we were before and again, it's a challenge, but it's a challenge I personally relish, and that's why I love working with salespeople. But a couple of the key areas that I did want to cover today, and the ones that are really important is, the first one is, is about, we all know that the term exhibitions are expensive. I mean, we, all, we, we hear all the time, oh, exhibitions are expensive. Yeah. Um, but we've got to look at what the value of what we're selling. I mean, if we go out and sell on price, <clears throat> that's a bad yeah. start. We need to be selling on the value of what we do as an industry and as a product platform. Because people aren't buying on price, they're buying on what they get for the price. I hope that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And in exhibition terms, we've got to sell the future value of what we do. So it's really important that we go out and understand what we're offering our clients. It's not just the opportunity to meet Dan in, in the NEC. It's actually the opportunity of doing business with Dan into the future. And, and that's really what connection is about. So from a salesperson's point of view, we need to sell that value. And it's really, really important. Yeah, and I think, Stephen, as well, that um, especially at this time, so there's going to be organisers listening um, and watching uh, on demand that hmm. are going to be speaking to customers about shows that 
will take place because they will take place later in yeah, the year. Absolutely. And those customers are going to feel a bit nervy. Of course and they are. More and more, more and more now, exhibitors are going to be much more discerning about where they exhibit, right? So yeah. ever more, we're going to have to demonstrate that potential ROI. We are. And, and and it's interesting you should say that because if you look at what's happened for the past 12 months, we call it 12 months in terms of, of, of coronavirus and how business has gone off a cliff for, for 99% yeah. of the businesses out there, it's actually even more important now for, for businesses to get back to live events because that's where the magic is done. Because virtual is great and, I, and I'm, 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 I do believe that. But I think what we've got to realise is we've all missed these orders for the past 12 months or not gone as many... We need to get back to that place where we can start rebuilding our business. And yeah. the best place to do that is face-to-face. -face. And again, the virtual platforms that are out there, because I know a lot of your audience will be either challenged with selling virtual, tasked with selling virtual, or actually selling virtual. And we need to think, I wouldn't say the same rules apply, but a lot of the same rules apply because it's about connection. So for me, it's about not going and saying, oh, we've got this amazing virtual platform, this amazing live event. That means nothing to the clients. The client yeah. wants to know what's in it for them. And that's where value comes in. And that's, as exhibition salespeople, we need to be really proud of the value that we have and sell that value, not the price. Yeah. That's really, really important. And I think, I mean, that's that's been consistent, I guess, pretty much for anything you're selling, right? You know, yeah. before someone could decide to buy off you, they need to know what's in it for them. Yeah. So I think that's, that's really good advice. Um Okay, and then um, the second tip you were going to give us? Yeah, the second tip is is the key to exhibition sales, and this is a yeah. really important one. When you take an ad in a trade magazine, you'll put it out there and you'll hope that lots of people see it. You won't know what they're going to do with it, but you'll hope that it lands on someone's desk and they see it and they might act on it. Um, same with radio advertising. You, you take a radio ad, you hope people hear it. But with exhibitions, and I always say it's the biggest key for exhibition salespeople, is to sell what I call multiple objectives in one yeah. place at one time. Because there's nine companies will exhibit at a show. Now, you can achieve nine things in one place at one time. You just can't do anywhere else. Now, it could be the likes of meeting existing customers, new customers, market research, launching new products. There's a plethora of different reasons that people exhibit at shows. Brand awareness is another one. And obviously the sales. Now, as a platform or a medium, we can achieve all those things in one place at one time. And people underestimate the power of how important that is because it's interesting. I did a survey among thousands of exhibitors to find out what was the main reason why they exhibited at shows. Yeah. And everyone thought, oh, it's sales, it's sales. It's not, it was brand awareness came up, came top. Yeah. But what they did say to me was, we can achieve all these other things in one place at one time that we can't do via digital, we can't do via radio or any other medium. So I think as salespeople, we need to be really proud and passionate about what we do because actually we deliver massive value. And it's not just that sale on the day, yeah. it's what comes after. Because Absolutely. in my sales training courses, for <clears throat> me, it's not about getting a sale, it's about getting a client. It's about looking at this relationship that goes, yes, I'm taking a stand in year one, but I want to work with you in year two, three, and four, because that's what business is about. Because if you take the average business down, and the average business is losing between 17 and 25% of their clients every year. That's a fact, by the way. The yeah. average business across the world. Some will be less, some will be more. But in the exhibition world, we're losing an awful lot more than that. Um, and that's why as exhibition salespeople, we need to demonstrate the value to our exhibitors and show them how to exhibit 
because when we do we increase ex exhibition retention they come back because they've done well and i think a lot of exhibition salespeople, or certainly some can be very short-sighted and go let's get take the sure. biggest stand we can get <clears throat> and worry about it next year that, that's not a great approach that's not strategy yeah i think you're right and and also when you're trying to demonstrate the value um it's all about the questioning at the beginning right so understand what they're trying to achieve because you made some good points there hmm. exhibitions can um serve many ends and needs right so yeah, if you're speaking to a new brand of yeah. which actually at this time there's been i know it's been difficult but a lot of new companies and products or services have, have set up yeah. so what they want to achieve could be brand awareness if it's an existing brand that have already invested in their brand yes they want to yeah. keep brand equity but actually yeah. it might be about leads for a new product so i think the questioning phase i think you would agree is really important yeah um and then yeah you mentioned about um it's not just about that one sale at the time it's saying to the client look it's about getting lifetime customers absolutely for, for so both I, sides for yeah, both sides if i got you a customer even one that customer then could also be an advocate for further customers. They might sit with you, depending on your product, whether it's software as a service or something else, yeah, for, a, for a period of time. So absolutely, I think I think you're right in that respect. Um, talk to us about the third tip, and then I think we'll probably have some time for more, which will be exciting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And again, I think I, I kind of rolled two in together. But um, just, just to go back, I suppose the third yeah. tip would be, would be something you brought up, and rightly so, yeah. this whole area of questioning. Uh, and how we how we approach customers to build rapport with customers. Uh, I developed an approach called the TED approach to building rapport, and it's a really really simple acronym for the t letters T E D. And it, the first letter is T, which says, "Tell me about." It. So tell me about your business. So you tell your you say to your clients, "Tell me about your business." Nice easy question. Now why that works is it focuses on the other person. It shows you're interested, but more importantly, it gets valuable information from the client. And he's yeah. thinking, this sales guy's actually interested in what I've got to say. He's not just trying to sell me a product or a service or a stand or an exhibition. So the T, T phase is really important. The next letter is the letter E, which, which is about explain. So explain to me what you're trying to achieve. Explain to me who your customers are. Explain to me what's your target market or whatever that might be. And again, sure. nice and easy, focused on the other person. And what we're trying to do here, Dan, is like, like in all sales situations, you're building a rapport with somebody for future value for both sides. Yeah. Now, what tends to happen with salespeople is they'll go in, they'll ask the lovely rapport questions, and then they'll realize in their head, they'll go, uh-oh, I'm here to sell something. I better start talking about my product. And suddenly, they stop the nice conversation and they start talking about the product. Now, that's fine to a point, but it's very obvious that you've crossed the line between the nice stuff and the business stuff, if you want to call that. So what I use is the approach called the bridge approach. And the bridge is basically where we need a question to bring us over from asking the nice stuff into providing a solution. I hope that makes sense now. And that's the letter D. So describe to me what your ideal outcome would be. Describe to me how many customers you need to make this work, uh, the exhibition work. So you might say 20 customers. So, okay, we have an audience of 5,000. How can we get you 20 customers? So what we're trying to do by building rapport, delivering a solution that the guy is actually saying, he is really interested in me. I'm more likely to buy off him. Now, what that also does is that for the future, it starts to really cement that relationship. So if the show doesn't go quite as well as he thought it would be, you're still in a stronger position to sit down and talk to him as to why it didn't work. And he's probably more likely to believe you. And that's really important. Yeah, absolutely important. Agree. I think, um, you know, at this stage, you know, um, being authentic, 
um understand not being too salesy all of this when people when the market comes back people are going to want to buy people ever more um obviously we're going to return to to physical events um mm -hmm. but most organizers i speak to understand there'll still be a virtual element yeah of course um, not only associated with that physical event but maybe in between the physical events right yeah, so continue that yeah. conversation the tips that you've suggested and just generally that people that you've spoken to, and I know you've done a lot of training for mm. um, salespeople selling virtual, mm. either in isolation or as an extension to physical. Yep. These tips, do you think, are good for that? Is there anything else you can maybe bring to life within the virtual space? Yeah, it's a really good point because it's yeah. a different dynamic. And I think one of the biggest challenges I had with one of the big UK organizers I worked with recently was they had a brilliant sales team selling selling live events but they're struggling on the virtual piece because whether we like it or not they're not the same thing obviously the ultimate aim is the same thing so i think what we've got to concentrate on is when we're selling virtual exhibitions we're not selling based on exhibitor lists we're not sell really based selling based on square meters in fact we're selling our content because the time space that people will listen online is far far less they might be in their office they might get distracted and you don't really have that level of engagement with them so we need to sell based on content and we need to sell based on. But the other thing I'd say, Dan, is really important is, is we don't, as organizers, because I was an organizer for 20 odd years, we don't have all the answers in the virtual world. Uh, and I think we should be honest with our clients and tell them we don't have all the answers because otherwise we're winging it. And unfortunately, from what I see in the virtual world, and I'm very positive towards virtual in some ways, there's an awful lot of spin as to how great virtual is. We should be working side by side with virtual and live together rather than isolation because we're traveling on the same in the same direction. We're just not traveling yeah. on the same road. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I know, you know, it's 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 a challenge for exhibition salespeople, of which I was one or have one. Yeah, of course. Um to you know sell online. So I think we need to use virtual differently, don't we, to, to physical. So whether that, you know, selling stands is obviously a challenge, but you're selling content opportunities to be immersive into the into the event um excellent so um in terms of some of the other tips that we spoke about beforehand yeah there's a couple um, of other ones yeah i'm just looking yeah. at the one that i wrote down for you actually and um, one of them that I, I was looking at there was was i'm just looking at my list that we, we talked about before was handling objections uh, and it's funny because it's the one that a lot of salespeople struggle with oh no he's objective he's that, that means he doesn't like me he doesn't like my product doesn't like my stand doesn't like my show whatever it might be i think as salespeople, we're traditionally programmed to be slightly more defensive now that's not a good thing by the way i think we need to be much more open to objections because we are going to get a lot more of them because there's going to be less money so price is going to be a much more objection but we should be able to handle the objections now what i funnily enough what i find with salespeople, i say i say to them they've been in business three or four years so what objections do you get i don't know what you're talking about so well, you do you get objections every day of the week what ones do you get they're not prepared for them in advance so as exhibition salespeople, we know we're going to get, oh, well, there's not enough visitors or you're too expensive or I'm doing a cheaper show. We need to prepare for those in advance. And I think that's really, really important. Yeah. You won't be able to cover every objection, but you should know the answers to, to most of the common ones, if I could call them that. Um, I think one objection is going to come up quite a lot in the next few weeks and months, regardless of whether they're an existing client or someone that you've worked with before or new. Yeah. is okay dan i understand that there's going to be a return to physical right i probably buy that you know it's going to happen in june july whatever i get it yeah. the vaccine being rolled out however i want to wait 
Yeah, I even understand you might have a COVID clause that I get money back or whatever, but I'm going to wait because I might have had it. I got bitten last year when I booked a show and uh, the yep. show was cancelled or whatever. How do you try and overcome that objection? I'm not to put you on the spot, but I think that's one that is going to come up a lot. It is going to come up a lot, and I think I think it's kind of similar to this this idea of a first show. Oh, I'll exhibit in year two. I think as salespeople, we've got we've got to look at the value we can offer before we exhibit. So I know I know, for example, nineteen events. Peter's great; they have a great operation there. They're doing the kind of talking to the buyers before the show itself yeah. to exhibitors, and I think we need to continue that engagement. Now, when you can go to an exhibitor and say, "Well, actually, we're doing intros pre-show," or we're, we're, "This is what we're planning on doing." you're in a much stronger position to get them on as an exhibitor. Because if you sign up as an exhibitor today, there's added value that you're not going to get in three months' time or six months' time. And in fact, that one extra buyer that you might get as a result of that actually could make the show irrelevant to you because you might get loads of business from it. We need to look at the value we can provide before that six-month period expires. Yeah. So essentially, they might get um, activity beforehand for sort of uh, booking... Uh, in yep. advance, that sort of stuff. So yep. at the moment, a lot of show organizers over the last few months have obviously added that sort of inventory and that that opportunity yep. to build a campaign beforehand. So yep. it's about creating value beforehand to create, I guess, the urgency. I think I think it's just yeah. kind of a similar type example. I remember a couple of years ago, I was involved in an interior design show in Dublin, a very successful interior design show. And, and again, I came across this, oh, it's a first show logic. Yeah. And anyway, I got over the logic. But, but one of our exhibitors got featured because of us in the national press before the event itself and ended up getting loads of business just from that feature before the show even opened. So we need to look at opportunities, how we can promote our exhibitors through all our channels before the event. Because one way or the other... If I put a, a post out on LinkedIn today, I'm posting to 80, 20, 30,000 people. Now, are they all going to buy? No, but I'm yeah. giving value on that post to a lot of people. You never know where that might come back. So we need to do that for our exhibitors as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and are there any other sort of tips and tricks to sort of, um, I guess, instill trust that, you know, the these exhibitions are going to happen? Not only are they going to happen, but we're going to be able to mobilize the audience that you want to come to it. Is it just about, you know, building confidence around the health and safety measures that are on board? Um, what what other things can we, we use when, when we're speaking to potential customers? Yeah, I mean, the obvious one is health and safety for obvious yeah. reasons. I think I think one of the biggest things we need to do is we need to be much more engaged with our clients between now and when the doors open for the live event. Because traditionally, one of the biggest complaints that uh, that I, I know comes across, um, exhibitors actually said this to me a lot, is I see a salesperson, he books me the stand, I do the show, and then I don't hear from him for a year. That, that yeah. tends to be. And, and that's not good enough, to be completely honest. I know it's hard, but it's not good enough because we need to engage our clients. I think given our current circumstances with COVID and the fear and the, and the anxiety which shows, we need yeah. to have a much more stronger engagement pattern between now and when the live event opens. Um, because that shows, listen, we're here in the background. We're not going to ring you every five minutes, but it's really important we stay in touch with you. Is there anything we could do for you? How can we help? Can we introduce you to any buyers? Because that builds the credibility. And that's yeah. what we need to do. We have to rebuild our credibility in our industry. No, absolutely. Um, you Can you explain to us what, and I can never pronounce it. <laughs> I think I know where this conversation's going. Yeah, before I do that, sorry, I know a few people have just managed to join. I think we had some issues with finding out where this was. But um, <laughs> hopefully now people are in, so I apologize for that. But um, yeah. 
it will be on demand as well. So if anyone that's missed anything, um, tricks kydophobia, <laughs> which apparently is your lucky exhibition number. Talk yeah, let me let, let me explain. It's funny because I did a, I did a presentation to 150 exhibitors in the Titanic in Belfast about a year ago, there thereabouts, and I was trying to practice this word before I actually the night before, and yeah. I just couldn't get it right, and I didn't get it right in the day, so I made a fool of myself. But let me explain. Triskaidekaphobia is the word, and, and triskaidekaphobia. This is for exhibitor. Sorry, this is for more Ford's. Um, this is more for exhibitors. Short sure. tips. So basically, what it is as an exhibitor at a show. I say triskaidekaphobia, the fear of the number 13. And everyone goes, the number 13 is an unlucky number. But when it comes to exhibitions, it's a lucky number. And I'll tell you why. It's made up of the three key numbers you know you need to know when you're exhibiting. And they're really, really simple. So let me explain each number to you. Um, the first one is the number three. And this is what we do before the show. It's about setting three clear objectives. I work with companies who set no objectives or 25 objectives. Yeah. None doesn't work. 25 is too many. So set three clear objectives. Don't set four, don't set six, we set three. That enables you to really focus on achieving what you want to achieve in the show. Now, everyone says to me, oh, it's all about sales. That can be one of your objectives. But let's say you set a target of 50,000 euro or 150,000 euro at a show, and you do 100,000 out of 150,000. You haven't technically succeeded. You've still done very yeah. well. So what I'm saying to companies is set three clear objectives. So whatever they might be, Know what they are in advance and have them written down. That's the first one, number three. So that covers you from beforehand because then you're focused on what you want to achieve. The during the show phase, which is the number four, you have four seconds to make an impression when you're exhibiting. So as an exhibitor, someone will decide within four seconds if they're going to stop in your stand. So you need to be sure that your stand is practical, as in walking in and out. It's comfortable. Your graphics should be visible from 15 to 20 feet away, for example. Um, and your people should be standing, engaged, smiling, and open body language, because that four seconds is going to determine whether they stop or not. If they don't stop, that's not a success for you. So that's number four. And the number six, which is the last one, which is for the post-show phase, so after we've exhibited, um, and you have six days to chase up every lead. That's the optimum number of time you should be chasing up every lead from a trade show. Now, people say to me, well, I'm not going to close the deal in six days. It's not about necessarily closing the deal. It's about maintaining that contact with the person who walked on your stand. Because if yeah. you don't do that, they either forget about you, you're in limbo as to who's contacting who, or, or worse still, they actually go to one of your competitors. 81% yeah. of leads, Dan, from trade shows are never followed up. Crazy statistic. But the reason it happens is people get caught up when they go back to the office with what's happened when they were away. So what I'm saying to people is, Set yourself up with what I call a back at office show day, which is the first day back. All you're focused on is chasing up the leads. Because when you do that, then they're done. It's done. Now you're starting to get back into the rhythm of what you were do, what you need to do in work. But the leads have been chased up. If you don't do it and leave them for three weeks, they don't seem as hot anymore, the leads. Yeah, it's I think really it's very helpful because even though most people on here will be more business development, I think ultimately we also have a job to train our exhibitors, right, without you know, patronizing, being condescending and telling them. Yeah. So I've always thought as an exhibition organizer that we should come up with a, and we've done, and I'm sure many people do this, you know, checklists beforehand, because I think as salespeople, not everybody, but we do the sale and sometimes we move on because we've got targets and people are pushing us to do this, that and the other. And we think, well, we do the sale and they know what they're doing. But I really think it's important from a customer success perspective um, and then coming back to long-term value and keeping that client that actually we help them, right? So. Yeah. 
you know, what are your benchmarks of success? Because then you go to the customer afterwards. Well, you told me you wanted 20, you got 25. Yeah. Because we've all been there. Well, I thought you had a good show. I didn't because we didn't establish beforehand actually what would make a good show. And then also yeah. if they've got unrealistic expectations, we can manage those beforehand. So it's interesting you say it, Dan, because because one of the most successful things I do as a business or one of the courses I do is called the seven steps to exhibition success. Yeah. Now, obviously, it's focused towards exhibitors and it's the seven things you need to do. But I've been taken on by four, maybe five exhibition organizers to do this exact presentation for exhibitors to their sales team. Because sure. if you have something like this, and again, I'm, let's say you're a client who's going to take a stand off me and I'm talking to Dan and say, Dan, OK, brilliant. Brilliant, you booked a stand now. Here's a couple of tips that are really going to help you. Bang, 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 bang. Now Dan says, he cares about me. I'm going to do better. I'm going to rebook if I do better. Then it's happy days. Yeah. Because I think as, as an industry, one thing we do have to focus on is up to now, we've very much taken the money and run. And I, I mean that in the best possible way. It's just the reality of life. Yeah. But now it's more important that we deliver that extra value. And the seven steps to exhibition success is what delivers value to the exhibitor who then returns that value by rebooking and doing yeah. well. Yeah, and I think having customer success teams, and I know a lot of organizers that I've spoken yeah. to have, um, also, you know, that customer that is only spending three, four, five grand taking a nice square meter stand mm. could end up spending five times that if they're managed in, in the right way. So don't always think that you just need to look after the big guys. In a funny way, they've got their own internal teams. They know what they're doing. You know, it's the smaller ones that need the help that then could become, you know, bigger for you going forward. One of the biggest tips I, or one of the biggest, I mean, I sold I sold exhibitions literally for 25 years. And one of the biggest things I, I used to say to people was, no, you don't need a stand that size. If they did, Assuming they didn't need it, obviously. I'd say, let's start smaller and grow with the show. Now, most of, I would say the vast majority of people I said that to would be clients who came back and back and back. And they did go from 9 to 12 to 20 to 40 to 80 or whatever it might be. Yeah. If we go in with the other approach and let's take 150 square meters in year one and he doesn't do well, he ain't coming back. And then yeah. you've got a big 150 square meter block to fill the following year. So yeah, to me, it's common sense. No, absolutely. Thank you. Um, okay, so we're we're almost out of time. Um, I'm going to wait to see if anyone that's, that's watching wants to ask a question for Stephen, if they can do that in a second. Um, but really, really interesting. And Stephen would love to get you back on. Yeah, love to do it. Love to time as well, and we can. I can finally work out all the links and this. <laughs> you did a pretty good job, in fairness, Dan. No, I'd love to go back on. I, I like. You probably know I'm very I, like yourself, very passionate yeah. about exhibitions. So I'll, I'll talk for I'll talk for Ireland from where I'm from. But listen, hey, Stephen, um, where can organisers? I guess most people know you, but where where can they find you? How can they contact you if indeed they want to? have a friendly chat i guess about how you can help yeah of course i'm just developing uh, i have a website the exhibition guy.com um, okay. or through linkedin um i'm always on linkedin as, as sure. most people who, <laughs> you know that yeah <laughs> they're probably sick as me on, i mean you see me on linkedin all the time dan and, and yeah. likewise but please do get in touch i mean it's all it's all about us working together i genuinely mean that you know at the end of the day we've had a tough year but i would love to help more organizers and more sales sure. please do get in touch perfect listen thank you so much for your time steve